0: What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Running and Gunning Podcast with your hosts, Justin Signin and Logan Sandburn. We are super pumped to have you all joining us today. This is going to be a dynamite episode. Make sure you get out your pens, your paper. You're definitely going to want to take some notes on this one. We have an awesome guest, Gary Gruno, and I'm telling you what, this guy is an absolute slayer. Uh, you can catch him on The Hunting Beast. Um, he's got some videos out on there. But he's a really good mobile hunter, and today we're going to really dive into thermals, thermal hubs, how Gary's actually you know, putting his cameras out in the woods to get good deer, and, uh, and his whole approach. And um, I hope you all enjoy this one. Hopefully you can make it to the end, but without
1: further ado, Logan, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? I'm doing pretty well. Just got back from the woods. Uh, got a few more cameras up and uh, ready to go. And I'm really excited for tonight. Um, I know that a lot of people are getting out right now, getting cameras out and scouting and that sort of stuff. So I think this is really good information to hit the woods with. Uh, I know that I'll be using it. I've got a place in mind right now that is um, a decent hub that I haven't been able to figure out. And I know that I've found a buck buck bed up in there and i'm trying to figure out how to hang cameras and how to set a trap for them so i'm excited for this one that's solid yeah man i know i'm i'm getting ready to get out tomorrow and hopefully put
0: a couple more cameras out i've really uh i'm chomping at the bit man this elk hunt coming up is kind of stressing me out i feel like (laughs) it's coming so fast and i just feel like i'm not prepared even though i'm doing everything i can to prepare for it and it's like I, I never thought it would be like this, to be honest with you. Like the preparation, uh, like physical, mental, like gear. Um, I don't know. I'm like losing sleep. I'm like, it's, it's already, I don't know. I feel I feel like I'm nerding out on this hunt and I'm like, it hadn't even happened yet, but, uh, I'm really excited for that. But man, uh, enough of that. I think we'll, we'll jump more into that topic here soon, uh, and have one maybe with just me and Logan talk about elk, elk season prep, but. Let's get into this episode, guys. Gary, how are you doing today, man? What's going on?
2: I am doing wonderful. Uh just got some more cameras out recently here. Um and uh just kind of planning some uh midsummer scouting, glassing trips to Indiana here in the beginning of August. So
0: awesome, man. For those guys out there that might not know you, uh give us a little rundown of yourself.
2: Well, um I'm from central east central Wisconsin um, I've been hunting since 1985 uh, but I was a meat hunter my dad brought me up as a meat hunter but uh, a meat hunter turned into a buck hunter <laughs> uh, <clears throat> back in the early 2000s I used to run a lot of traps I ran about 300 traps and then I take a week off for uh, for rut for bull hunting and after about 10 years of that i decided to get out of trapping and then spend more time into hunting mature bucks Uh, i ended up finding dan infault and uh, learned a lot of stuff from him and went to his um his deal in the swamp because i just seemed like i wasn't getting onto the mature bucks like i wanted to went to his program in the swamp and realized i was about Thirty yards, forty yards out of the game, and after that, I I just started uh, everything connected right away. I just started smoking some good good bucks. Um, that very, this is probably about five years ago, and I met Josh Tolker there, and ended up going to Indiana and doing some uh, hill country hunting for the first time and uh man what a ride it's been uh fell in love with that find everything i possibly could do to learn about it plus what josh and dan were teaching me and then of course i threw my wisconsin style into that deal and uh i just love it now and it is it's it's just awesome
0: that's awesome so, man.
2: yeah i really like the hill country
0: Uh, i think it's a it's a cool way to kind of predict where some deer are going to be at you know what i mean it's a little bit more interesting and beautiful country but it's a lot more challenging is it? it you think it's easier in the swamps than it is in
2: the hills i think it's easier to find the actual bedding in the swamps it's more predictable um but it's harder with the thermals and the winds to get closer to those bucks in the hills and it's a it's a night and day difference between the two but yeah for sure is i think it's i kind of um clung on to it and fell in love with it but uh i know a lot of guys struggle from flatlands trying to to uh do hill country hunts
0: yeah we all like what we're used to man
2: i think
1: I think that uh, most people don't think of Indiana and think of hill country either. Like, yeah. I've hunted southern Indiana. Um, that's where I graduated from IU, and so I've hunted around there. And it's it can be pretty treacherous.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. That's beautiful country, though. Just love it. And now that i have kind of doing the... Indiana hunts uh hill country hunts we actually have hill country in the western part of the state and I was able to go to the western part of the state last year and then shoot a uh a solid buck there in hill country so um I don't know I just love it I mean I love swamps don't get me wrong it's but uh you know that's what I've hunted always and uh this is something different
0: yeah
1: sometimes that's just what gets the fire kind of going it like just getting that change of environment and it's a a different type of challenge and being able to attack that and continue to learn. I think that's the biggest thing uh, for me is like changing in a change of environment. Like it's just a new challenge. And so, yeah, like I can see why (laughs) you've kind of attached to that and
2: kind of dove head first into it. It's, it's, it's definitely physically challenging too, which I love. I love to challenge myself physically um, and I kind of feel that if you're not, um, super into it, you're just not going to hit those hills as hard as a guy like me. So I have that advantage too, so then, which definitely helps out, but yeah,
0: I think it's really good to, to shot just a, do uh, more.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Legend. Go ahead. No worries. Uh, I, I shot a little four corn. I mean, he was probably barely over a 100 pounds and it took 3 of us to drag him up and out of the holler <laughs> down there it was that's yeah. how steep it was <laughs> yep so that, that's not that's not quite the fun part but yeah uh putting yourself to the test and and getting in the right spots down
2: there's definitely uh takes some work yeah the first one I shot in Indiana uh it will be 4 years ago now this will be my 4th year going there but uh it took five guys to get that one out. Um and it was just out of 208 pounds. I'm like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. This we will be quartering deer out in the woods and Absolutely. Them out. that's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, I used I, to be a butcher, so that's not a problem. No, not at
0: all. <laughs> but, I mean, in my opinion, like that's the way to go, man. When you're way back in public, I'm i I'm surprised. Didn't I, you guys did do that, uh so you know, Gary sent me a couple videos that he had that I, I hadn't seen. Um, but your Indiana buck, I saw the video on that, and you guys packed that one out, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and i he was bigger than my first buck I shot the first year. That one dressed at 208, so I'm guessing this guy was 230-plus. Man, that was a so pig was, of uh, a buck, too. Yeah, he, he was a good one. I was pretty happy with him. Yeah. Um, there was a couple more in that area that i'm still after <laughs> but there you um, go. yeah i was i was very happy to, to get him I'm, I'm not gonna lie so yeah. i'm not all about the, the the bone porn as much uh if he makes me happy i'm i i'm shooting him man that's just the way i am
0: but, absolutely man yep i love that but I mean, let's get into that hunt. Why don't Why don't we start off with that? Like, uh, what led you to that deer? Because um, you, were you you were hunting a thermal hub when you killed that buck, right? Yep. Maybe mm-hmm. just kind of. Yep. If you can break down for some of our like newer guys, um, like what is a thermal hub and and like how did you approach that?
2: Okay, well, uh, a thermal hub is where a drainage system, whether it has water or not goes through an area and at the end of that or the beginning actually of that drainage is what usually is the start of that that river system and it's usually a c-shaped hub and in that c-shaped hub is where uh those bucks like to like to bed and because of all the shifting winds constantly the swirling winds and the way the winds work in there Uh, it is a perfect place for mature buck. It's a tough place to hunt. So I look for those kind of hub systems, the C-shaped hub systems, and those drainages, the ones I look for, actually go down to some crop fields at some point. So uh, not all hub systems are equal though. So the things I look for, uh, for sure, are what crops are at the, at the end of that crick bottom, because those crick bottoms always usually lead out to some kind of crop fields. What kind of crops are there? Um, and the other thing is, um, I want a hub that has steep sides on it. And reason being is those bucks like to be able to over look down into these hub systems And they like the bedding on those steep ridges. Um, So the other things I look for is the direction of the hub system. If you, the hub system I shot my buck last year on was a hub system that went from the Northwest and went down Southeast. So when I shot that buck, the wind was actually coming out of the North which will blow the wind down the hub system so I could get away with what I got away with. I'm a pretty aggressive guy when it comes to hunting these things. So once I have a hub system on Onyx, and you can see these on Onyx, they're, they're pretty blatant. Um, once I see them on Onyx, I will pick a few of them out that I feel uh, meet my requirements. Other things I look for though, besides the directions, because you you know, you don't get a lot of winds from east. So if you have a hub system that goes from the the west to the east, it's going to be really tough to hunt because it's always going to be blowing your scent up in there. So besides the directions of how they flow, I want to know if it's hard to access. My best spots are ones that either have a giant hill that you have to go up over to get down into these hub systems, or there's like a river or something that you get across. That's generally what I look for. Once I find these hub systems, I'll literally do boots on the ground then. Um, And I'll mark these on onyx too, by the way, Oh, uh, once I get these, um, once I get these hubs marked, and I get the boots on the ground, I start looking. I get into there, and I start looking for sign. And I don't know, Logan. It, you said you're from, you've been in um, Indiana. You probably know there isn't a lot of rubs. They don't leave a lot of sign. I don't know why. Um, but you're not going to see a lot of rubs. But when you do see a good rub, you know there's been a good one in that area. Usually I look for tracks, big four finger tracks, or a rub or something. Once I know that there's a mature buck using that area, that's when I start looking around and examining things. Um, there's generally right where the hub comes down, the C-shaped hub, comes down to that drainage, if there's some good bucks in that area, there generally be a good community scrape. And what I noticed is when, if a good buck is using that hub, a lot of times they will get up just a little early, 10 minutes early before dark, and they'll come down and they'll check that, that scrape. Um, so the best place to put a camera on that scrape, um, I don't usually put a lot of cameras up in the hills. I don't put a lot of cameras. It's usually that hub scrape and, 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 you know, you hear a lot of people talking about it.
0: Yeah. So absolutely. Good. Are you
1: saying that, that, that scrape, like if you've got the C shape hub that it's essentially kind of in the mouth of that C
2: somewhere near there. Okay.
1: I'm just trying to picture how
2: that would work on the map. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's definitely C shape. You'll see it. Um, the, the mouth opens up into just like a big lollipop is what it really is coming down to. And it'll be round in there. And that's generally where you'll find their bedding and, Once you do find that there's a big buck in that area, from there I start, well, first of all, I'll put a camera on that um, community scrape. That's your number one uh, place to put uh, a camera to get pictures, okay? The second thing I'll do is I'll walk that whole ridge system, that whole C-shaped hub, and I will look for where their beds are usually their beds are about two-thirds the way up maybe just a hair higher in those sea hubs but they're always usually on that leeward side of the hill now when I say leeward side the wind will blow over the top of that ridge and come over the top into that hub and then it actually will swirl around at about two thirds up the reason why that is is because you have thermals rising as the day's warming up, and it hits that wind two-thirds of the way up and swirls in that two-thirds of the way up area along that ridge system. And now, if a buck beds in there, he will not only have the wind coming up over the hill, but he also has those thermals coming up from the bottom so he's getting like a double whammy that's why those mature bucks love those thermal hubs and of course now they can look down into that bottom and over and usually to the other side and see if there's any danger coming too so it can be pretty tough getting in there to hunt these things yeah
0: absolutely and that's kind of that's where i've run into especially here like there's only been a few scenarios I've been able to do that um, I'll be dead honest I'm like in the past couple years I'm just catching on to like these tactics and I'm actually being able to use them living here where I am now <clears throat> and it's definitely it's it makes hunting a lot of fun because like once you realize what you're looking at and you find it it's almost like a light bulb goes off and you're like okay but the problem is A lot of times the spots where you find these big beds, you're like, how the hell am I going to get in here and hunt this place? So maybe you try to give us your approach on that. So like you find, you know, these beds now, I guess my, my other question, when you find the bed, like how sure, how certain are you that that deer's in there consistently? Are you finding it like right then? And then you're hunting it within the next like day to two? or whenever the wind is correct is that what your approach
2: is no i usually find it spring or summer scouting i do my homework i look usually there will be points sticking out with um some drop-offs they love the bed on those you'll see that you'll find those beds in spring and i'll go up to them and i'll check them out uh you don't always find rubs in those beds either so that's um you just gotta kind of um Trust your instincts and know, all right, well, I got tracks in here. I've got some a couple good rubs. This has got to be one of the areas he's bedding at. You'll go find those beds. And for me, what I like to do is I like to turn the leaves over in the beds and see how deep down the hair goes in there. That tells me okay. a lot of things. One, if I find leaves on top of that hair, that was an early season bed. Bingo that's where I'm gonna hit that's the area that I know chances are pretty good if he's using that hub that's where he's betting now it could be off those points or it could be in Greenbrier there's a lot of Greenbrier in um, Indiana and they love betting in them Uh, they love betting in it and they love eating it they'll sit there and they'll gnaw on it and stage there before they even come down those those hills sometimes to go to the white oaks they'll nibble on that they'll stand up and eat on it and then lay back down um and the other thing is if there's treetops laying on that side there's always usually a treetop or two laying somewhere in that hub and chances are pretty good that they're bedding in there too um so yeah i find that bedding that is so important you just don't go running into a hub system and say, "Oh, this is a hub system," and I saw a track, and I'm going to throw a hunt in here. You gotta, you gotta know where they're bedding. That's huge.
0: And that's how you make your approach when you're going in to, to actually set up on these deer. And are you setting up Correct. these bottoms from the other from the other ridge system, and anticipating them coming down off of their bed?
2: Yeah. So. um Getting back to that hub scrape, what I did this last uh, hunt, I checked the camera on the way and uh, at that hub scrape. And I didn't like what I saw, the times that the deer were coming through. And in all honesty, um, I didn't see everything that I wanted to see. So I was already obligated to hunt it. I had the wind in my favor. I had the thermals in my favor. So from that hub scrape to where I feel they were bedding was about 200 yards. 200 yards is a pretty long ways away in hill country. So what I did is I moved my way up that drainage system, staying in the thicker parts. It's early season, so it's a lot easier. And making my way up and I cut that distance to about half and in that area I noticed there was white oaks dropping so I got two sticks up high where when he comes out of that beds those beds that I found he'd be actually literally coming down and staging him and and uh, feeding on those white oaks Matter of fact, I literally was in the stand for 15 minutes and I had a doe cut over from the other side of the hub right out in front of me. She never even caught my scent. I was really, it was pretty bulletproof and she crossed in front of me and about 40 yards away, started munching on acorns. Um, it It was pretty awesome. But the biggest thing is getting in here without being detected. And when I say being detected, you you can't be seen. You, You have to move slow. You have to move quiet. And here's where thermals and winds really come into play. When I go into these thermals, okay, so now I'm back to spring scouting here. I found all the ingredients I need. I found the bedding. I found the... I I I found the rubs, I found everything that I feel that makes a big buck, and I feel confident he's there. I I will actually wind map it. I have a bottle of milkweed and I will walk around there and wind map it. And man you wouldn't believe what you could learn just walking around, going in their beds, wind mapping it, going to the bottom, wind mapping it. When I say wind map it you just take take some milkweed and just let it go out and watch what it does. And, man, okay. it, it's, it's it'll blow your mind. But here's another thing. <laughs> going to make this even more complicated for you. So in the spring, there's no leaves on the trees, right? You wind map. You go back in there when everything's greened up, it's going to be altogether different those leaves on those trees will change that wind. Like it'll bend that wind. It'll make it swirl. With So you have to be real careful. If you can get in there during the summer and wind map it during the summer, man, that, that is, that will seriously help your success.
1: Do you find that the thermals when the, the leaves are still on the trees, do you feel like that changes the timing of how long it takes? Like once the sun, you know, breaks over the ridge, and starts to warm that you know hillside. Do you think that it takes longer when the leaves are on?
2: Yes, I, I feel it definitely takes longer. And then, and when the leaves are all off, so I, you know it, it's a it's a tough thing. You know, I I love doing hill country in in early season. That first week to me is killer. They're the most patternable time of the year to pattern those bucks, especially mature bucks. So when I wind map, I like to wind map when there's leaves on the trees. It's a huge difference.
0: Yeah, that's a super interesting tactic. I, I've like never really thought about that. Yeah. So yeah,
1: in order to do that, obviously you've got to go in and go kind of all over the place. In these hubs, uh, to understand what that winds and thermals are doing, do you worry about bumping that deer or leaving your scent anywhere, or
2: do you do anything to mitigate that? Or Um, no, I, I'm not too concerned because when I do it, it's usually July-ish. Um, this this year, I'm, it's going to be the first week in October, but the hub, that particular hub, I already wind map, so I kind of feel confident. Um. And of course, you got different winds too, so that also throws a lot of um uh, a lot of wrenches into your plan too so when you do go in there i I like to try to get a west wind, but let's face it, it's Indiana, you never know what it's gonna be <laughs> yeah so um yeah, so so it, do you it,
1: do you only hunt? I guess, on a certain wind or do you have different spots for different winds?
2: Yeah, I have different spots for different winds, but I can only push it so far. Um, You can only get so far before the swirling wind gets you unless you have that perfect wind that's either blowing up it or blowing down it. I prefer to blow down the drainage. And even if it's just on a slight um angle coming into there as long as I can play that cuz I'll be throwing out milkweed for 15 20 minutes as I'm working up this to make sure that I don't have any swirling make sure that my scent's going in the right direction and the biggest thing too is when you stop make sure that those thermals cuz now I'm talking evening hunts here make sure that those those thermals are going to be pulling your scent down that drainage so you don't want you don't want to get up on a hillside and at night and have your your scent being pulled right down to that hub scrape and they get down to that hub scrape and they burn you so it's there's a lot lot to it
0: yeah but definitely.
2: makes it easier oh absolutely yeah
0: how far up off of these scrapes are you setting up on uh let's say like you know
2: that scrapes out well, of you i mean so that scrape happened to be 200 yards away from the bedding and i saw some box because i we never checked the for, camera until i
0: hunted it we lost you for one second go back to uh what yardage it was oh i'm sorry
2: Oh, no problem. Um, that, that particular scrape was 200 yards away from the bedding area. Okay. And I actually checked that camera that was on that scrape. And the way I set my cameras, too, is I can check them without actually getting to the scrape. So if I want to hunt the scrape, I can. But um, I didn't like what I was seeing. Like, I didn't see enough daytime sign or daytime pictures and not frequent enough for me to stay there i know they're using that hub but i have to get closer to that bedding area before they start splitting off in different directions on me so at that particular point i went up 100 yards and set up there and which paid off like he came out up like within 100 yards of his bed i guess yeah.
0: yeah, but you also got
2: to remember his his bed is looking straight up the hill. Okay. So, yeah, you kind of so you got to be careful. Move slow right. um, and obviously quiet and try to keep some cover by you, which is not hard in early season. Man, so.
0: Here's a good one. How do you keep your cool? When you know that you're going in, because I'll be honest with you, I've, I've done this a couple times, and I am like a freaking kid at Christmas. I mean, I'm like, I just, I don't know, like, I'll get I'll get a hold of myself, but, like, the excitement level when you are, like, crawling, like, to go set up in a tree, knowing that you're close to a deer, is probably one of the coolest things that you'll do if you haven't done it yet. Um, What do you, I mean... Do you, are you taking breaks and you're like, all right, I got like 10 more feet, get your shit together. Like what's your, what's your breakdown?
2: Well, in all honesty, first and foremost, I get pretty nervous about chiggers. <laughs> so yes. when I crawl, I've gotten chiggers all over my body crawling to to my stands and stuff. So I'm, uh, I am covered. And I mean, when I say covered, I cover myself now with, uh. Uh, lotion it, it's been a, a pretty terrible thing to get those but so i mean in all honesty that's probably the first thing I, that goes through my mind but no i keep my cool uh, i'm thinking as i'm going i you know i know where he's betting but i need to get there it's like you're 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 trying to you're trying to sneak in on him but I'm also throwing that milkweed out and I'm doing so much trying to locate a tree on the fly here because you know, I have trees located for by the hub scrape, but I made that executive decision to move up. So now I'm looking, I'm looking for that tree. I'm, I'm putting milkweed out testing the wind. And this is like a 15, 20 minute process of testing that wind. Because uh, yeah. all it takes is one swirl yeah. and it, it, the game is up. But um, right. once I get to that tree, it's it's all it's all business. Uh, I always I always put my sticks on the back side of the tree, so that way I'm not making too much movement. So when he looks down, the tree is still blocking me, and I have to reach around the tree to put my straps around and then put the stand in. Once I get everything, I crawl in there and get set up, get the filming gear set up. Just all deliberate, slow, no noises. Everything is stealth stripped. I mean, it is, it's like I do this over and over and over. This is like, you know, you you practice. It's like when you get in your car, you know, you... You put your key in the ignition. You turn the ignition on. You you check your mirrors. You, you it's all it's all con, you know. You do the same thing every time. And then once I sit down, honestly, then I get excited. <laughs> yeah. You know. And then then the game is on. Yeah. Like, either I blew them out or it's gonna it's gonna be this is it. And uh, yeah. It's it's a hoot. It is That's a it's amount a blast, of confidence man. is. Yeah, it's it's totally different than swamp hunting, which I love. Don't get me wrong, but um, like Logan said, man, it's just it's different than what I grew up with, and, and it makes it fun.
0: Yeah,
2: but
1: yeah. So how? When that buck came in, uh, how how far was the
2: shot? So honestly. I heard him get up out of his bed I was close enough for that and I believe he was about 60 yards away when he got out of his bed I couldn't see him but I could hear him and he he came you could tell the steps of a big buck in the hills they are heavy-footed and man I knew right away this is a big-bodied deer but I couldn't see anything So he actually walked um, probably about 40 yards paralleling me. And he walked up to a tree, and he started rubbing on a tree. And I could just see this tree. He's just raking this tree, and this tree's shaking. It's a tree shaker. (laughs) And uh, at that point, I saw the mass on him, and I'm like, yeah, this this is a shooter. So once on I get his, into his that, antlers are on his body. No, his antlers. Okay. His antlers, um, they were super massive. Um, I believe one was the bait. One base was seven and a half inches around, sure. and the other was six and three quarters, which, and he was mass all the way through. Not a wide spread, but I knew he was a shooter. There was no doubt in my mind. So now I have to get ready for the shot. Now he came down um, exactly where I thought he was going to come down, and uh, I use a crossbow because I've had an elbow surgery and I lost my range of motion. I had six bone spurs cut out and I had two shoulder surgeries, so I'm uh, I'm not weak, but I I lost my range of motion. I can't pull a bow back, so now I got this crossbow and. Um, He came down that ridge. He was like literally 30 yards away, but because it was only two sticks high, he literally was straight across from me, and he was quartering toward me slightly. And uh, I had the camera rolling, and I touched off, and it looked great. It looked like I hit the pocket as far as I knew, and he went running down the hill, went down, uh, probably 20 yards. He went down, down, crashed down 20 yards from me. And here I am, I'm doing the beast dance on the, the beast stand, like, woohoo, you know, celebrating. Well, I look over, and there he is standing there. I'm like, what the heck just happened? So uh, I, like, literally you know I'm so used to just grabbing an arrow out of a bow and here I am now I gotta get this uh this crossbow crank back and I'm going my eyes were like I just I just couldn't believe like how the heck did he do that you know so I get this crossbow reloaded and he wasn't moving he could tell he was in shock he was hurt bad and I I always feel that if you have a second shot at him I take it just put him down I don't want to see him suffering so I I put the, the pin on him and I smoked him and then he ran he actually ran out in front of me and down I actually thought he ran up the hill but he actually ran over this ledge this ridge where I couldn't see him and I heard him crash and then I could I could hear like the air going out of his lungs and I'm like yeah you know just pumped so here I am I have no signal. There's zero signal in a lot of those um, hubs in Indiana. Cell cams don't work in these kind of um, these kind of hubs. So um, there,
0: there's your sign right there. Here I, the the I right am. Spot. What's that? <laughs> I said there's your yeah. sign, guys, oh, I for all my, you guys oh listening. God. Yeah, yeah. Like you get hey. to a spot and your cell cam don't work. Well, guess what? You might have found found the right spot to be hunting.
2: Yep. Yep. And uh now uh, uh I'm trying to get a hold of Josh. He's hunting probably I think he was probably three, four miles away only the way the crow flies. He was hunting after another buck that we call a kickstand. Just a just a complete giant. I'm public. These are on public, by the way. So I can't get a signal out to him. And I'm like, now what? So I grab my gear. And in order to get to this area, I had to climb this hill. It takes me about an hour to get up this hill. Oh and at the top God. of this hill, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I dread it, and I'm in pretty darn good shape. <laughs> um, I get up to the top of this hill. I didn't even go look for the deer, by the way. I just grabbed my stuff, and I went up the hill, and I'm like, God ah, dang, I got signals, so uh, here I'm texting them bbd you know and i'm texting my other friends too all the other guys left from deer camp already and uh so it's just josh and i and i think i shot that at six o'clock their time and and uh so it's pretty early well he didn't get my signal because in the hub he was in he had no signal so He's doing his vlog, and he comes out, and about halfway back to the truck, because he had about a two-mile walk. I had about a two-mile walk, too, but um, I I already went back to the truck. And I thought, well, shoot, I'm going to, I have to wait till he's done. I know he's got a two-mile walk. I might as well go to his house and grab something to eat. So I went back to his house. I get there and he he got my message. He got to a top of a hill and he calls me. He's like, dude, really? Seriously? Big buck down? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, Well, where are you? I says, I'm at your house. So I was gonna grab something to eat. He's like, well, get back here. Let's we'll go. I'm like, Are you sure this is gonna be it's gonna be a long night, man? He's like, No, oh, no, let's get this done, man. This is awesome. So I drive all the way back, and I meet him back in the parking lot. And he, unbeknownst to me, he videotapes me coming out of the truck. And I'm like, hey, you know, and he starts interviewing me. Um, Now we have to get back in there. And uh, we get back to where I had my stand, and it's dark. It's really dark. And it took me, the thing, you know, we circled around to where I thought he died. And it took us about 45 minutes to actually find out that he died like 30 yards away from my stand. He actually ran down into this drainage and died, and I didn't see him. So, of course, when he's like, hey, he's over here. I think I see blood over here. He's recording me unbeknownst again. And I'm like, oh, you rotten son of a gun. Sure enough, here you found him. So, yeah. it was definitely yeah, cool, was, was...
0: cool to see the video of it too. Like, and hear your yeah. story of, of it uh, afterwards.
2: Cause I'm like, we didn't remember, get all there two in the morning.
0: I know. I remember hearing you say the same thing. I was like, yeah, you know, I shot him, did my little dance. And then he gets back up and I'm freaking <laughs> out. <laughs> like, man, <laughs> and, and, and that is the the hardest thing too. Cause it's like, I've been there, dude. I remember one time, like I spine shot a good deer and he hit the dirt, and I'm getting all excited. And I go to put another arrow in my bow, and this thing gets up and like crests over the ridge. And I never found the deer, like, unfortunately. But
2: yeah, they do that. Well, so um, as soon
0: as you can, put another arrow in. I, I mean, actually hit
2: him. I hit him in the pocket. It was a Did perfect you? shot of him in the pocket, and it came out behind in front of the rear leg. So I like shish kebobbed him. Oh, but man. it must have took out one lung and his liver and everything in between there, and he was just literally in shock. He was so I and kind of said when he said he was what two hundred
0: and twenty dressed or something probably. I mean, you don't know exactly. Uh, I,
2: about... I, no, I don't know exactly, but um, I used to weigh all my deer, um, and I used to be a butcher. I used to butcher right. deer too, and I conservatively feel he was. 230 pounds plus yeah. so the 208 pounder that i actually weighed that i shot two years prior to that i'm getting the same exact mold done on it except for it's two sizes bigger than the one that i shot i was 208 pounds so that can kind of give you an idea how yeah. much bigger he even i don't <laughs> think like man like a deer that big is tough as
0: shit i mean it's gonna be pretty tough for you to Unless you hit that thing perfect, you know, I mean, you hear all these horror stories of people catching one lung and not killing the deer, you know what I mean? And it's like those genetic class deer are something different. I mean, they just got the the will to live just like yeah, any deer, but it. sounds like you got into a, yep. a true, like you know, Midwest <laughs>
1: giant. <laughs> no, nope, Doesn't look like it. Oh, maybe. What's up?
2: We lost You're it losing, there for yeah. a little bit.
0: Oh, did you? all right i'll flag it. i said it sounds like you got into a true midwest giant uh there in indiana to be honest i mean that's a pretty big animal they're not uh they're not easy to kill i don't think i mean even if you catch one with one lung
2: right yeah you don't know how far he could go in those hills and that could be a pain to try to find them in the dark yeah. too right the, those
1: corn-fed deer
2: yeah yeah for sure it Corn and um, hay, actually. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting how far, you know, and that's something I should probably bring up. It's pretty interesting how far these, these mature bucks are long lining. Uh, I noticed that a lot of the locals in those areas will put up those ladder stands right on the edge of those fields. And I giggled to myself because, you know, most of those big mature bucks aren't going to make it down to that field before dark and i this particular um this particular hub is a mile back from a field and and it's not even a good field it's like a hay field for like horses so then it had they, what i noticed is it crosses a road and then goes into another cornfield so it's probably all together two miles from that cornfield
0: yeah, that's that's pretty wild, man. Um, you know, I was listening to uh another podcast recently and I I'd, I'd heard uh you know that a lot of these bigger, more mature deer will gravitate towards like areas that are untouched, like uh an abandoned, you know, what used to be a cornfield or what used to be a cow pasture and they seem to gravitate towards that. Have you uh have you had any experience with that? I mean, hunting around where you're at in wisconsin
2: um in wisconsin a little bit um they they seem to like around here those mature bucks if we have um the way our area sets up we have a lot of micro swamps when i say micro swamps there's 20 to 30 acres and they'll get in into those swamps and they'll hunt or they'll uh, bed down around the tamaracks but then we also have some areas where some there's CRP, and those big bucks love that CRP around here. So, yeah. Um, but as far as like, we don't have like a whole lot of abandoned buildings or anything like that around here.
0: Here in Kentucky, they're freaking everywhere. Really? <laughs> oh my god, oh, man! You'd yeah. be shocked. It's like a, a straight up mixture of. It, it really does depend on where you're at in the state. Like if you're near Lexington, there's a ton of horse farms that might be abandoned or like really nice horse farms and plots of woods, you know, or out here it's a ton of ag, but then there's like, you know, Mary Lou owns a, a, a hundred acre lot and it's completely abandoned and it's, and there's giants hanging out there. So, I mean, it really all, it's all situational, you know, just like everything, but I just thought it was interesting to hear that. And I was wondering what your thoughts were.
2: Yeah, um, Josh and I are, are planning an, uh, a Nebraska hunt, but if that falls through, we'll be doing a Kentucky hunt, so I'm kind of excited for uh, that, so yeah. you got.
0: I would say, I think it's going to be pretty, a lot of public land is going to get pounded this year from uh, what I've heard, at least early in the year. I think a lot of guys are planning to come here for velvet, um, but I don't know. I'd say like if you guys come around October or something like that, you probably have a good good chances of bow hunter just maybe find a little pocket of overlooked
2: areas. Yeah. We, we're pretty booked up with, <laughs> so it'll be, it would be for the velvet hunt. Would it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, cause uh, we have Wisconsin opener mid September that all the guys will be coming here for a lot of the hunting beast guys will be here. Um, and then the hunting beast, a lot of the hunting beast guys are going by Josh in Indiana for the October 1st opener. So then after that, it you know, it all depends on what tags we fill and where and um and uh go from there, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I did get an invite to go to Illinois. Uh I would like to do that, but I don't know if it's in the cards this year for that.
0: It's an expensive out of state tag, man. I was yeah. shocked. I was really yeah. shocked
2: by that. I do Whoa. uh I, I save quite a bit of money for these, these tags, so <laughs> um, it is what it is. It's kind of goes with the territory, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But, do you guys normally do like a, a one-and-done when you go out of state? So like if you were to, say, come to Kentucky for early season and you don't fill a tag, would you try and come back later?
2: Or do you guys – how does that usually work for you all? Okay, so I just started doing out-of-state hunts um, by Josh Talker, uh, well, literally have hunted there for three years. Uh, the first year, first night, I, I shot a a five and a half year old eight pointer. I was done with this one buck state. Um, but then, uh, last or the, the year prior, the second year, uh, I ended up not getting a deer on opening week. Um, there was such an acorn drop it was i've never seen anything like it in my life um it was when they say walking on marbles that's nothing compared to i mean there was rafts of acorns floating down the rivers because there was that many and uh so i struggled a little bit with it now that i know what i know i wish i could go back and redo it but i ended up going back for a day during the rut I hunted in the rain all day, and I got sick. That was during COVID times. And I thought I actually had COVID. And I stayed by Josh, so uh, and he has a, a young son and a, a wife, and I didn't want to get him sick if I had it, so I boogied over there went home. It just must have been like a 24-hour flu or something, so I didn't end up going back. But now last year, I ended up the third day in the season shooting my buck, so I never had to go back. Um, the other guys who go there from, from our crew, they, they'll, they, they went back last year actually, and got to hunt with Dan Infult there, uh, during the rut. So I, it, I couldn't go cause I shot my deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends. Um, if I don't shoot it opening week, then I try to go back during the rut. I have most of month of October and November off.
1: Do you feel like That's that? Do you think that that changes your tactics at all, as far as aggressiveness uh, towards the end of your hunt, if you
2: if you know that you're able to come back? Um, no, uh, I am very very aggressive. I do a lot of scouting there. So for every four hobs that all get boots on the ground that passed that pass what I look for uh, on Onyx. I'll, I'll find only one that will actually be worthy of, of hunting. So only about 25% of the hubs that I find on um, on there will actually be something I'm interested in hunting. But now all I probably have 30 hubs scouted out. So you got to figure I have a lot of hubs scouted out with a lot of cameras rolling. Um, and a lot of different um places to go so in actuality i am super aggressive i'll go and i'll dive right in there and i'll throw a hunt in there it's either i blow them out or i get a shot at them it's it's i only have five days to hunt five evenings to hunt and i have more way more than five places to shoot a big one i love that Uh,
0: when when did you adapt that style and like what could you tell our listeners that are you know that are not maybe that that want to get more aggressive like what's one thing that you would i know that's a a hard question but like when you first started adapting that style how long have you been there and maybe like what's a couple things that you've learned that have, have really helped you be more successful
2: well, um, at the first year when I didn't know anything about, um, hill country and Josh Tolker took me out, kind of showed me around. Um, I noticed that all the sign and all the, ma- uh, mature buck sign were in these hub systems in these Hills. Uh, but I really didn't know exactly how they worked right away. It took a little while it took cameras cameras gave me a ton of information um and once I started figuring out how they were using these hub systems um I started realizing after the second year when we had all those acorns and stuff um that I have five days I have five chances to get a buck I'm going to be so super aggressive and uh man honestly I almost had a way bigger buck um my first night there, um, there was there's a there's a hub system. It's hard to get to. I can't say too much about it because it might give it away. <laughs> um, but there's two hubs next to each other and there's a ridge that splits the two. Well, I knew there was a couple of um, potential Booners in there that we saw glassing. And uh, the year prior I put a hunt in there and I didn't get a shot at him, but I knew he was in there. Everything was there. So I went back last year spring and I scouted it and I kind of figured where he was bedding. There was two hub systems there. So I got into that because of the way the hub system works. It wasn't a long drainage either. It's very short drainage, but the C-shaped hub, two C-shaped hubs were right there. And I got up into that C-shaped hub for a hunt and wouldn't you know, but uh, I heard him get up probably like 60 yards away and went down the other hub system. And I knew I can only get one hunt in that hub system and he's got me busted. So that morning, that that next morning, I went back in there and I found his, his sheds from that spring in his bed wow yeah so cool trust me i'm gonna be in there again because he's 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 a good one he's a real good one he's solid
0: yeah it's really interesting to me how like year after year they'll use the same bed I, i know there was a buck that i killed and he shed like one of his sheds in the bed i i bumped him out of the bed before went back the next year he's in the same exact area and when I killed him, I expected another deer to take over that area. And sure as shit, like, it wasn't a giant or anything I wanted to pursue, but it's just like, it just proves your point, like you're saying. It's like, these are geographical locations where the deer has the biggest advantage to see, smell, and observe what's going on around him. And I think that's what a lot of you guys need to take away from, like, a lot of this broad spectrum is like, Try to think like what is gonna make a big buck catch you in your pursuit, and a lot of times if you just put the time in and you walk, you'll find these jelly bean looking giant beds that are secluded all alone, and you found it you know what i mean it's it's just yep. a a big piece of the puzzle, and when you start finding them, it just steadily goes from there, you know, and it's it just helps you build your skill set, make you become a better hunter. Don't be afraid to get out there and bump them. And I think that's the, I talked to a younger friend of mine today about like the advantages of, I was like, dude, get away from your private and go mess up the public. Like whatever, like it doesn't matter. And he's like, well, and I'm like, stop being afraid to mess stuff up and just, just go do it. And then save your property for when it's the best you could ever do since you know it. He's like, all right, all right, I'm going to, I'll get on that. You know, and it's, I don't know. I really enjoy, like, just helping people, man. That's like, and
2: that's what we're doing this for. Um, Absolutely. You know. You know, but here's the thing. If, if you're after mature bucks, you got to want it. you got to yeah. want it. I mean, there is, you can't just say, oh, it would be nice to shoot a big one. No, you got to want it. you got to put the time in. you got to do the scouting, the boots on the ground. Uh, you, you just listen to everything you can possibly listen to. But nothing is going to beat Going out there, finding those beds, finding those scrapes, putting cameras out. You're you're a detective. You're like at war with this deer. You're trying to figure out how can I get this deer without it seeing me. And I'll be. I, it's just even at this time of year, um, I'm I'm on my treadmill. I'm working out in the gym. Uh, these are all things you can do that'll help you in the fall even, but also, I you know, I run a lot of cameras and stuff, but I feel the more time you spend out in that woods, the greater chance you have of getting on a good buck. There's nothing that beats time in the woods. Absolutely. Man. Within reason. Don't I mean, yeah. be running <laughs> yeah. around the woods while it's not <laughs> season. And, you know, you can, know. Can karate
0: chopping trees down right, for, right. Like, for Instagram. I'm talking
2: uh, post, post season hunting and spring hunting, or spring post season scouting and and spring scouting is there's nothing that beats it. Uh, when I go to Indiana, uh, I have a goal of ten miles a day in those hills, which is a lot. That's awesome, hills. man. Yeah. So very goal oriented in that way, and man, you wouldn't believe what you could pick up on.
0: Yeah gary didn't think, mention this but he does run close to what you said around 90 cameras a year yeah
2: 90 yeah. plus just cameras.
0: just for your your all's perspective on how much effort <laughs> gary puts in and that's why he's consistent um you know your wealth of knowledge man i appreciate you joining us and, and sharing your wealth of knowledge i mean i wanted to uh wanted to let logan close it out i know uh he had one more question and I feel like you've kind of already answered the normal question that we ask, uh, which is what separates you from other people. You kind of
1: answered that one without even asking it. But I think, I think that that was actually what I was going to mention as my biggest takeaway. Uh, And it's something that we've kind of talked about before, but not quite directly is the confidence of walking into the woods even crawling through the woods to that one specific spot knowing where that deer's at knowing that he's going to take a certain trail and what we've talked about before is like you set up to shoot that trail you're not setting up to shoot multiple trails or shoot out to you know 60 yards or whatever you're you're setting up to shoot a trail at you know probably sub 20 yards right and Yes. The confidence to know that that deer is going to get up, he's going to walk down that trail, and you're going to get a shot at him as long as, you know, all the cards play out correctly. That goes right to what you were just saying about wanting it. Like, you've got to want it. The And figuring out what it takes to get there and in that specific spot, it takes so much work. Like, you, you can't just go... I I can't tell you how many stands I walked past today where people, you know, throw up these ladder stands in these spots that you can see for 80, 100, 120 yards. And it's just like, you're not going to maybe during the rut, you know, you go and sit there, you, you might happen upon something, but you're not going to see anything, uh, early season, especially. And there's no execution there. It's, it's, you're all, you're basing that all on luck. And I think that that's what makes the difference. That's what sets I know you apart, and that's what I'm I'm trying I know
2: personally to work on for myself. Yeah, for sure. You know, kind of getting to that. I don't see a lot of mature bucks out in the open. Um, If it was that easy, all everybody be shooting mature bucks out of their ladder stands. So (laughs) it's something to kind of (laughs) remember. most of the spots i can go two sticks high and and have plenty of cover that's how thick it is
0: absolutely man gary how can all of our listeners keep up with you man what do you uh what do you have for instagram facebook
2: um i i'm on facebook as gary grunel uh same with instagram um and you can see the videos on uh the hunting beast and uh I am usually on the podcast too for behind the echo with Josh Tolker. So, um, you can find, find us in any of those places. Awesome, man.
0: Can't thank you enough for your time, dude. Uh, you've been a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I really appreciate you. I know all of our listeners do. I think we're going to close this one out and, uh, hopefully I'd love to have you back on maybe like during, uh, during season, man, if we can just catch up with you and, and see how things are going for you. Sounds good. All right, brother. Well, that'll be it for this one. I uh, look forward to catching up with y'all next week. Thanks again for tuning in this week, guys. We really appreciate y'all. I want to give a huge thanks to our sponsor, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. If you guys are available this weekend, uh, tomorrow, uh, Saturday, it is actually going to be the Mobile Hunter Roadshow in Eagleville, Pennsylvania. I hope you guys can make it out, get to meet some of the guys uh, that are local in your area if you're around Pennsylvania, Maryland area. And um, it's just a great time. I I can't uh, stress enough. Go check it out. If you guys aren't busy, try and get some permission from the wife and and get out there. You will not be disappointed. We're going to end today's podcast with a quote. I really enjoyed this one. Don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. Hope that hit you all good today. Hope you all have a great weekend, great week whenever you're listening to this. Look forward to catching up with you all next week.